Good morning. I'd like to speak to you this morning, if the Lord would enable me, I'd like to speak to you this morning on the subject of friendship, that Jesus Christ is a real friend to us. <clears throat> you know, there scholars have searched the scriptures and they found that there are over 700 names and titles for Jesus Christ in our, in our Bible. And Jesus Christ himself was named prophetically. You know, usually the parents name their children. But in this case, because Jesus is the eternal Son of God and one with the Father, the child told the parents what to name him. Over in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20 it says, But while he, he thought on these things, that's Joseph, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. You've probably heard this before, but I love it. There's three shalls in there. Nobody would argue that she brought forth the son. Nobody argue, would argue that his name was called Jesus. And I don't have any argument with the last shall. He shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of by the Lord, by the prophet, saying, Behold, here's the prophetically named Jesus Christ. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So this is Jesus Christ. It's not just God, but God with us. So these scholars have found 700 different names and titles for Jesus Christ. And one of those titles is friend, is friend. Why so many titles and names for Jesus Christ? Well, I think the number one reason is it has to do with teaching us about God's nature and his character. In other words, to reveal who God is and what he is like. And I think second of all, is to show us he is everything that we need. He is everything that we need. Jesus Christ, his name itself means salvation. At one point he is called a shepherd because we need someone to lead us. We need leadership. Another place he is called the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He is called the comforter. Don't you need comfort? I need comfort. I need peace and consolation. He's called the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 15, it says, He is called the blessed God and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. You know, there's lots of tates in the church, aren't there? I mean, there's uh, dictate, <laughs> there's agitate, there's irritate, there's vegetate, they don't do much. Uh, there's lots of hesitates 
in the Baptist church. We've got to think on things about 10 or 20 years before we do them. And we've got devastate in the church. You know, they like to cause a lot of chaos. But there should, according to the scriptures, there should be only one Tate in the church. And that's the blessed God, the one and only potentate, the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. You know, Proverbs tells us a lot about friendship. In fact, uh, I've read and counted seven characteristics of true friendship documented in Proverbs. I'm sure there's more, but I'll give you what I have here. I think the number one characteristic that we find about friendship in Proverbs is in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17. And it's about compassion. A true friend gives unconditional love and shows loving kindness. A friend loveth at all times. Second of all, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, is commitment and loyalty. It says, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Number three is Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 9, confidentiality. A true friend has an open heart and a closed mouth. When you give something, you know, when you tell something to a friend and someone says, I'll, uh, whatever you tell me, I'm going to take to the grave. The next thing you know, they're taking it to Facebook or they're taking it to Snapchat or something like that. That's not a true friend, but a true friend is confidentiality. Number four, Proverbs chapter 27 and verse six is candor. A true friend will be truthful with you. A friend will be truthful. And it says here, faithful are the words of a friend and the kisses of an enemy, of an enemy are deceitful. See, a friend will tell you about yourself to help you with yourself. A friend will accept you as you are, but he won't leave you like you were. Uh, number five, Proverbs chapter 28, verse 19, says, Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. When you got a foot, when you got a broken tooth, your mouth is pretty much out of commission. You can't eat, it's not really good for anything. You got somebody with a foot out of the joint, uh, they can't run, they're not much good for anything. But true friend, you can have confidence in. You can have confidence that they'll be good for their word. You know, uh, some, a true friend says, I'll be there on Sunday morning. <laughs> they'll be there on Sunday morning. You can count on it if the Lord is their helper. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 9 is counsel. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a, of a friend with, that gives you hearty counsel. Counsel, I like that word hearty. I mean, it's from the heart. It's, it's good counsel. It's true counsel. A friend will give you wise counsel. Will give you thus saith the Lord when you really don't want to hear thus saith the Lord. And seventh, and finally, a friend is considerate. A, a, friend, a true friend won't overstay their welcome. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 17. I promise I'm leaving Monday morning. 
on my flight, Brother Lawrence. I won't stay past that. A true friend won't gossip about you. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 18. And a true friend won't praise you, and get this, won't praise you more than they praise God. Over in Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 14, this is a very interesting verse of scripture. It says, he that blesseth, blesseth his friend with a loud voice early in the morning, it shall be counted a curse to him. And that's a very hard verse to unwrap, but, you know, usually people certainly back then would pray. They would pray morning, noon, and night. But here is this person praising his friend with a loud voice when you should be praying. So a good friend won't praise you, won't flatter you, won't butter, butter you up, won't praise you more than they praise God. I have a question for you this morning. Was Jesus a good friend to Peter when he said, get thee behind me, Satan? Was he a good friend to him? Well, let's look at it with the seven characteristics that we just outlined here. This begins over Matthew chapter 16. Jesus began to tell his disciples at that point how that he would have to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the scribes there and be killed and be raised again the third day. And it's surprising that Jesus began to tell them this thing and he would tell them over and over, but some things people just don't want to hear. They don't want to accept, it seems. And Peter was one of them. And for, in fact, when Jesus first began to tell his disciples that he would go to Jerusalem, be killed, be raised again the third day, it was Peter that took him aside and rebuked him and said, this shall not be. Can you imagine taking the Son of God by the shoulders and bringing him to the side and, and rebuking him, saying, no, this, this is not going to be. And then Jesus Christ replied to Peter, he says, get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those things that be of man. Now, how does that apply to us? See, your friend can be your enemy when they don't want for you what God wants for you. See, this was the whole point of Jesus Christ coming to earth. He was, he was coming to earth to live for three and a half years, to preach, but also to go to the cross, to suffer many things. To, to, to give up the ghost and to be buried for three days and to arise again from the dead. That was his purpose in order to save sinners. That's why he was called Jesus Christ, for he shall save his people from their sins. And if you're rebuking that message, if you're rebuking that, you're not a friend, my friends. You're working for the enemy. And that's the reason Jesus Christ termed it that way. Get thee behind me, Satan. For if you're against this message, you're not my friend. You are doing the enemy's work. So did Jesus show us how good a friend he could be by the way he treated Peter? I think so. I think so. One of the characteristics of a true friend is candor, right? It's truthful. I don't think the main point of Jesus Christ 
saying that to Peter was to hurt him or to downgrade him. He was being a true friend to him and being truthful with him. And sometimes, my friends, the truth just hurts. Did, but did Peter have confidence? Did Jesus Christ, did Jesus Christ have confidence in his friend? Another place, Peter, or Jesus Christ looks at Peter and says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have that have you that he may sift you as wheat. But Jesus Christ says, But I have prayed for thee that they that, that, that thou might fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Not if, but Jesus says, and when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Cedar, Jesus Christ was a good friend of Peter because he showed, he showed confidence in his friend. Did Jesus show commitment and loyalty to Peter? Yes, he did. Did he show confidentiality to Peter? Did he go after Peter made that statement? Did he go around and say, can you believe what Peter said? <laughs> can you believe he said this and start gossiping about him or anything like that? No, he didn't do that. Was Jesus Christ considerate with uh, Peter? Absolutely, Jesus was considerate with Peter. But let's go over to John chapter 21. In John chapter 21, we see Peter makes the infamous statement. He makes the emphasis statement over there saying, I go a fishing. I go a fishing. See, what has happened? Jesus has gone to the cross. He's been crucified and he's been buried. And what does Peter do? Well, Peter, I guess, believes it's all over. And he's just going to go to do what he was doing before Jesus came and, and picked him up. He's, he's just going to go back to his boat. He might have been hedging his bets. He might have never got rid of his boat. He might still have the same boat that he had three and a half years earlier. And he, tag, and he drags some disciples with him. Not just some fishermen, some non-fishermen. He was a, a born leader in that way. And so they all go a-fishing. So did Jesus Christ treat Peter as a friend then in the face of this great betrayal, seeming like? Did he show him compassion? Proverbs 17, 17. Unconditional love. Loving kindness. Yes, he did. Jesus goes to Peter. Shows him compassion. And Jesus goes to Peter and gives him counsel, doesn't he? As a good friend should. He goes to him and says, not Simon, Simon. He says, Simon, Peter. Didn't Jesus name him? Very special bond they had. Even gave him a name. Simon Peter. He says, lovest thou me more than these? You know, he had broiled the fish on the fire. And I think, in my way of thinking, he's gesturing to the fish. You know, you've left me to go a-fishing. I go a-fishing. He says, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Jesus and Peter says, yes. I'm your friend. And he says, feed my lambs. Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Yes, Lord, thou knowest. I love thee. Feed my sheep. Peter, are you really my friend? Lovest thou me more than these? Lord, thou knowest everything. You know my heart. And he says, feed my 
sheep. Peter, in his weakness, had denied the Lord three times. Was that enough for Jesus to cut off that friendship? No. He still loved him so deeply that Jesus didn't wait for Peter to come to him. Jesus went to where Peter was in his betrayal, in his fishing boat, and gives him counsel, wise counsel, as a friend should, but also showed him loving kindness. And because Jesus Christ showed his true friendship to Peter, a good lesson for us, isn't it? Because he showed his true friendship to Peter, we see in Acts 2, in the day of Pentecost, Peter stood and preached a message so powerful, 3,000 were added to the church in one day. My friends, that's the power of friendship. Let's go over to Psalms chapter 55. Psalms chapter 55, I'd like to read a few verses there. Psalms chapter 55, let's read verses 12 through 14. This is, the, this is King David. David says, <clears throat> look at how much pain David is in here. For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me, that did magnify himself against me, then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou a man, mine equal, my guide and my acquaintance. It was his friend, seemingly a friend. We took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company. We had many sweet talks and we went to church together. Look at verse 21. It says, the words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war with us in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet were they drawn swords. He's not talking about an enemy, a national enemy like the Philistines or something. This was someone that David considered a friend, that he called a friend, that he went to church with and had sweet counsel with. If you look at the first eight verses, you survey the first eight verses, Psalms chapter 25, I'm sorry, 55, it's going to describe David's pain and his stress level. You know, when I woke up from one of my last surgeries, I woke up and there's a chart on the wall. You've probably seen it if you've been in hospital visiting or you've been there as a patient. There's a chart, you know, pain level. What's your pain level? One to 10. And you will have that face on there. You know, one is real happy, <laughs> round face. Then you get over to 10, and this guy's in his red face. Then he, okay, David is at, is at stress level 10 here. He is, he, he is so sad. His emotional pain, brothers and sisters, is off the chart. But I first want you to notice that David is not just venting or complaining here like maybe we would. Notice that this is a prayer. Look at verse one. It says, give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. So what did David do with all this emotional pain? 
that you, you, can, you can sort of tap into, can't you? What did he do with it? He took it straight to the Lord. And isn't that a wonderful miracle that we have in our everyday lives that we can, we can take it to the Lord and not just use the pat words that we do in prayer, but actually get on your knees and you've got complaints, you've got worries, just lay it out to the Lord. What, what's, you know, you can hear, see David. David does the same thing in many times. You're saying, why is he saying that to the Lord? Because he's just, he's just getting it all out. And that's what we should do. And that's what Peter's doing here. I'm sorry, David's doing here. He is praying, give ear to my prayer, O God. You know, he remembers the words of the Lord. He remembers the words of the Lord when he said in Psalms chapter 15, verse 15, he says, call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver thee. And thou shalt glorify me. That's what David does. Aren't you glad those words are in the Bible? I am. Call on me in the day of trouble and I might deliver you. He says, no, I will deliver thee. And he says, what shall you do in return as a friend to me? Thou shalt glorify me. Amen. Now the next seven verses. <clears throat> In the psalm is David's lament. He recognizes the evil of the world we live in. And young people, as you get older, you're going to realize this more and more. Maybe you realize it now. Maybe I'm speaking too soon. But you will as you grow older. So who is the person that David's talking about here? Who is he referring to? Well, there's a number of possibilities, isn't there? That one was Saul. You know, Saul looked at David and treated him as a son, and then see pretty soon Saul's trying to kill him. Um, Ahithophel, he was David's close counselor, and he conspired with others to revolt against David. This was someone that was considered a true friend. How about his own son, Absalom? How about that? But David doesn't name him, and I think he does it on purpose. So you, my friends, can fill in the blank. Because you might run into that situation if you already haven't. Someone considered, considered very close to you might have betrayed you. And how do you handle that? How do you handle someone that's so close to you? Someone that is your friend that has done this to you? How do you bear the pain? How did David bear the pain? What we need to realize is that we can turn to someone who has experienced the same pain. And it's always best, isn't it? I mean, someone can intellectually understand your problem, but how about someone that actually knows your problem, that has actually experienced that pain. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 it says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was at all points, not some, but all points, tempted like as we are, yet without pain. See, Jesus Christ endured everything we do and everything we have 
including the betrayal of a friend. In the last eight verses of Psalm 55, David then displays his confidence and trust and faith in God. He lifts up his eyes where is the abode of God and trusts that God will answer him in his pain. We also have here some practical things that we can do when we've experienced that type of emotional trauma. Number one is the discipline, my friends, of regular prayer. That's what David teaches us, the discipline of regular prayer, bringing it all to God. And secondly, what we need to do is putting it all in God's hands. Verse 22 of that psalm, it says, cast thy burden upon the Lord. And he shall sustain thee. Amen. Amen. All right, let's switch gears. Time for a little self-reflection. A friend knows all about you, but loves you anyway. Amen. A true friend... A true friend stands up for you in public, but then sits down on you in private. <laughs> a true friend steps in when everyone has stepped out. I love this one. When you've made a, when you've made a fool out of yourself, when you've really made a fool out of yourself, a true friend doesn't think you've done a permanent job. Now, a major theme of the Bible, brothers and sisters, from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, is the theme of friendship. It is. It starts in Genesis chapter 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Before time and energy and existence, there was God, brothers and sisters. There was God. And there's some people that say God created man because God was lonely and needed a friend. That's not true. Remember when God said, let us make man in our image? What is our God? Our God is a trinity. He's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There's a mutual relationship there. There's communion. It's the Trinity, my friends. It's the perfect friendship. God didn't make man in order to have friends. But he did make man so that we could share friendship. That is one of our main purposes here in this life. Remember when he said, it's not good for man to be alone? So he made him a helpmeet. He made him his first friendship. It's called marriage. Your spouse, my friends, is supposed to be your best friend. Amen? Brothers and sisters, we were made for friendship. Now, friends with God and also friends with one another. Did you know, my friends, that God will always be your friend? He will always be your friend. If you're one of his children... One of those that he saw before time existed and chose you and elected you to some time live with him in the halls of heaven. He will always be your friend. He's loved you with an everlasting love. Oh, 
that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to thee, I will in no wise cast out. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We are God's, God, God is our friend and will always be our friend. But we are friends with God only when we actively love him. Did you know that? When we actively love him, we're showing our friendship to God. So why do you feel not so friendly? So why do you sometimes feel not so friendly with God? Why do you think sometimes you've got no friends? Well, I've got the answer for you. The Bible has the answer for you, actually. God's word says it's because of sin. Sin, my friend, sin separates. Sin separates you from God and sin separates you from others. See, sin is not just the breaking of a law, which is our main sort of definition for it. Sin is just not the breaking of a law. It's the breaking of a friendship. That's, that's right. See, because sin originated in the garden, didn't it? Adam broke the law of God, and when he did that, he broke the friendship. The friendship between him and God and between him and Eve. Just listen to the words of Adam. Genesis chapter 3, verse 12. Adam says, the woman whom thou gavest me, she gave me of the tree. And I did eat. Boy, that doesn't sound like he's a very good friend to Eve right there, does he? How about you, Eve? In verse 13, Eve says, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Oh, then he pronounces the sorrows. The sorrows that would be accompany, that would accompany the breaking of the law, the sorrows that the woman would endure. The sorrows that man would endure upon the face of the earth. And they're going to be kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Where they were in the very presence of God. Where God would just walk around in the cool of the day. They would no longer have that close, intimate friendship with him. Kicked. Doesn't look very good, does it? Because Adam broke that law. And we could be all sad and despondent except for the fact that God makes a promise at that low point, a promise of restoration, a promise of reconciliation of the friendship. Doesn't he do that? Over in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. He shall bruise thy heel, but thou shalt bruise his head. See, the seed of the woman, the promise there, the promise, the seed of the woman. It can only happen with a virgin birth to have the seed of a woman. The seed of the woman will reconcile the friendship between you and God and the friendship you have with one another. Isn't that great? He gives them that promise. Oh my goodness, what a promise. Abraham was called the friend of God. He would talk to him like a friend. David, we know how David was in his life, but thank goodness, Jesus, 
God called him the, the friend, the friend of God. Jesus had 12 disciples and one betrayed him. But Jesus Christ himself shows us. He came down to earth for many purposes. But one of the purposes of Jesus Christ was to show us what true friendship is. See, Jesus' friends, a lot of friends, failed him. But Jesus Christ is a true friend. You know, we've been in our Bible studies. We've been going through the book of Revelation. And it's been a wonderful, wonderful study. Wonderful things. And, you know, in Revelation, it's just telling the same story over and over with different symbology. The time period between Jesus Christ's first coming and Jesus Christ's second coming. It's just telling that story over and over. And I'm glad because I love the end. The middle part, I'm not so crazy about But the end part, I love. It says, Jesus returns. He rights all the wrongs takes care of Satan for good, done forever. And then Jesus Christ sets this big banqueting table. And guess who's going to sit with Jesus Christ at this big banqueting table when time is no more? It's going to be filled with all his friends. It's all his friends. See, we see this close, intimate friendship in the beginning of the Bible. And then, thank the Lord, we see it. Again, at the end, at the end. But where are we, brothers and sisters? We're in the middle. <laughs> We're in the middle. And it is our challenge at this point to be able to tr show true friendship to each other, to cultivate these friendships. See, as a church, we should be <clears throat> going about the business making friends as the church you should be telling people out there there's a place they can go where they can have true friends if anywhere in the in the world there's a place that shows us what genuine true friendship is it should be at the church amen it was a little quiet there for a second but the oil to the squeak there for a minute. But it's true. We need to be friends. What true friendship is. Everywhere you go, my friends, there are people that are struggling with the concept of what true friends are. Um, people, there are so many people that are isolated. So many people that are insecure. You know, I read one study that showed that one study was done and it showed that the average American only has one true friend. And why is that? I mean, when you think about it, I mean, somebody, could, could somebody go to church and they can come in and they can, and they can bow down and hear the prayers of the saints and sing hymns and praise to God for 30 minutes and then hear the preaching of the word for about an hour and then go out and maybe have lunch and fellowship with each other and then go home and feel lonely? That shouldn't be the case. This should be the place where we truly are friends with each other and show true friendship one to another. 
This is the place, brothers and sisters. This is the place. Go out there, my friends, and find those people. They're out there. Those secure, insecure, lonely uh, people out there. And tell them, come over to Bethel. You'll find some good friends over there. Most importantly, you'll find a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. His name is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he's a true friend to us. I'm going to close here. You may say, Brother Chris, I have not been a very good friend in my life. I have failed many times being a friend to my wife or to some other people or my husband or family members or people at the church or my neighbors. We've all failed, brothers and sisters. Don't worry about it because just do the best we can. Because in the morning of the resurrection, all that's going to change. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, God is going to make you the best friend anybody's ever had. And you'll go to heaven and you'll be with all your friends in perfect bonds of friendship forever and ever. Amen.